Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Over the last couple of weeks, last few weeks, we've been in 2 Peter, and if I need to convince or feel the urge to convince the church, convince us, convince believers of anything, and maybe it's for my, my own good, is the reality because it seems so far-fetched that we would have false teachers today. I, I think it's pretty obvious to a discipled, uh, mature Christian believer today that there are false teachers, not just in America, but around the world. It's not something that's really fun to talk about, but it's in Scripture. It's inspired by God. He warned, God warned the early church to be prepared for false teachers. And in doing so, he said to the church, the continuing church, to us today, to, to don't be surprised. There will be false teachers. The question that keeps kind of looming in my mind as I study, as I prepare, and as I preach is, why would anyone want to be a false teacher? And it just doesn't make good sense other than there's a, uh, a demonic, a satanic, an enemy influence on someone's life to cause them to be a false teacher. We're not just talking about some guy that's hidden in his basement somewhere who tweets or has podcasts or you know his little blurb that people read who's a false teacher. We're talking about why would anybody want to be a false teacher on a platform with millions of potential viewers and followers and, or thousands in a church? And there's really no rational, biblical, spiritual answer to that for them other than they're a part of a strategy uh, of a greater influence. I keep coming back to this because you're looking like, I don't know, maybe I agree, maybe I don't, and that's fine. We can all be wrong or right. But if there are false teachers, and Scripture indicates that there will be until he returns in these last days, and if you're a student of God's word and you hear some of them, you know they're false teachers, even though we want to like them. I, I feel like this is where the grind is. We want to like them. We wish they were our pastor. They just seem so nice or whatever. Or they, they have a jet. I wish our pastor had a jet. That's not the case in most Baptist churches because you get a, a five-year-old used car and they say, oh, somebody's making too much money. <laughs> Got 376,000 miles on them. Well, somebody's getting paid too much for what they do. It's shiny. So I know it's not that. But the reality is they exist. And there's a reason they exist. And I believe, personally, I believe it's a, it is a tool, it's a, a strategy of the enemy, because I come back to this verse of Scripture, and if you've been here for a few Sundays now, you've heard me refer to this passage, that's always been kind of a confusing, got to think about this verse of Scripture. And it's Jesus responding, saying, many will say unto me in the last days, Lord, Lord, The last days, or the last day when Jesus returns and we stand before God to give an account, that's not going to be, that's not the only time people say, Lord, Lord, who don't really trust him as Lord. Because Jesus, in the New Testament, when he was here on earth, he questioned people to their face. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I command? So it's happened then, it's happening now. There's a lot of people saying, Lord, Lord, oh, I love the Lord. But we'll one day hear those words that we don't want to believe will happen, but will. 
many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And I'll say unto them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, iniquity. I never knew you. And I've always been really shy about trying to get to the rationalization, the reasoning, the reasoning for how that could happen. But when we look around today and we look and listen to some of the false teachers today, the false writings today, the false movements today, we, if we're honest, and, and we don't want to know this, we don't want to acknowledge this, if we love God, if we love people, we really don't want to, to wrap our arms around this reality, but there will be people who hear, I never knew you, but yet there are people who claimed to know him and claimed to do things Here's a word that'll come into play later. Have experiences that may indicate they knew him. Here's something really important. We're not the judge. He's not asking us to determine who will be saying, Lord, Lord, who doesn't know him. But you and me and every person on this planet will stand before God one day. Every person will stand before the righteous judge. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. It's not appointed to Christians once to die, and after that, the judgment, or just the law. Everyone will stand before the righteous judge one day. And this is the book. These are the books that we will be judged by. His word and his word alone. Not mine, not my opinion, not the Baptist church, but his word. And this is the standard. And those of us who are born again will not be told enter in because you, man, you are a great church attender. You ought to be if you're a believer. But we'll be granted access into God's kingdom and God's heaven not by anything we did but what Jesus did for us when he who knew no sin became our righteousness gave us his righteousness, paid for our sins, took my place. When I trusted him as the payment for my sin, I became righteous. If you're a believer, you became righteous because it's in his righteousness that you became righteous. That's the only people that will enter God's heaven. There's many who will say, Lord, Lord, but they never, never had an encounter with God where they took on his righteousness. Even though I believe God loved the world and made salvation free for whosoever believes and takes on the righteousness of his son. Hey, well, I, why'd you say all that? I hope that helps us understand that one day there will be people who won't get into God's kingdom won't get into God's heaven, but yet they were claiming all along, I'm going. Do you know for sure? So that's something preacher's been saying for 100 years. And if Jesus tarries, preachers ought to be saying it again for another 100 years because Peter in this book said, hey, believers, this is a reality, so make your calling and election Sure. That's in this book, in that context. Why? Because there's a lot of false teaching going on. There's a lot of false believing going on. And if we as a church, if me as a pastor and you as a Christian can do anything to prevent someone from thinking they're on their way to heaven but not really going, we ought to be about the Father's business, stopping it from happening. How do you stop it from happening? We preach the truth. Preach the truth. Do your best with the Holy Spirit's help to live the truth. Stand for truth. Speak up for truth. Fight for truth. When it's needed, argue for truth. And when you feel like you're striking out, just quit messing with them and go on. So today we're going to look at two points of the three that we started last week. So we're a third of the way there already. 
when we're looking at the idea or the, the subject matter of recognizing false teachers. Last week, we noticed in verse 10 that false teachers are, the word is arrogant. They're arrogant in their walk. The word is presumptuous there in the King James in verse 10. And in their walk, they walk after their own flesh. Church, one telltale indication that we're born again or not born again is who or what we're walking after. They walked after the flesh. Do we still have flesh? Yes. Are we tempted to fall back into the flesh? Yes. But we're to walk after the Spirit. We're to try to do our best with the Holy Spirit's help to live in the Spirit, walking after the Spirit, walking after and for the things of God. This comes into play here at the end of this text. But they also say that, Peter also said that false teachers walk after not only their flesh, but as simple as it may sound, they walk after their finances. And that's read there in the text. They make merchandise of you. How many of you have a Kenneth Copeland t-shirt? Raise your hand. Just kidding. Up there. <laughs> How about Joel? I'm just, I don't know if he sells those, but I'd like to have one just for a display. So as the custom is here, if you're visiting, we do this. We stand as we honor God's word. And, and yeah, we're going to read a couple verses of scripture. We were in verses 10 through 22 of 2 Peter chapter 2, but I want to pick up after last week on verse 15. False teachers are arrogant in their way, but verse 15 tells us that false teachers have abandoned the way. He says, Peter says, those which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. These false teachers have forsaken the right way and they're gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. That's a powerful statement right there. But he was rebuked. Oh, oh Balaam was rebuked for his iniquity by a, as last week we referred to, a speechless donkey. If you're into King James, you giggle. Speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. The donkey stopped the prophet from doing something dumb. I'm not going to call any names, but just a couple weeks ago, my Sunday school teacher made a reference that <laughs> God used the donkey to speak to his people or his person, and that at our church, God uses a donkey every Sunday to speak. <laughs> Friends like that. He refers to them in verse 17 as wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved for. For when they speak, these false prophets speak, they speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lust of the flesh. I am good enough. I am good looking. He says it often from the platform. I am pretty enough and people like me. That's, that's called lying to yourself. I mean, if you look in the mirror and you can't see your whole self, you're, I mean, you're going to still tell myself I'm thin? <laughs> but he said, that's silly. No, that's alluring to the flesh. It's making you feel good. I'm not saying we ought to make people feel bad. You ever, anybody ever heard this? You tell yourself, I'm good enough. People like me. I'm good. I am a good looking man. I am a, I'm not. But 2022, you have to make sure everybody understands. This is a female saying, I'm a good looking pretty woman. You tell yourself that long enough you start to convince yourself that you are, and then we start sneaking false teachings. This is, this is so simple, but this is how it's being used. It's this ear tickling that he talked about a few chapters ago. Man, I don't want to go there. They make me feel bad. Sometimes it happens. Wells without water, clouds bouncing back and forth. They speak swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lust of the flesh through much warningness. Those that were clean escaped from those from them who live in error. That's an important statement. While they promised them liberty, 
They themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein. They keep going back and overcome. The latter is worse than the end, than the beginning. For it had been better for them, those false prophets, false teachers, that they, have not, that they had not known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto him. But it happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is, to, is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Father, thank you for your word. Teach us. Help us to not just know a little more today, but help us to be doers of your word when we leave here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. False teachers are arrogant in their way. And number two, when we picked up in verse number 15, false teachers have abandoned the way. I've, I've referred to this before, but... In the first century church, followers, often followers of Jesus, were often called those in the way, those of the way, referring to the only way to heaven. Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And in this passage, we see that false teachers have abandoned the way. And I want to look at this first point, first subpoint, and intentionally say that false teachers have chosen the wrong path. The reason I say that is because it's indicated that these false teachers, these and the ones today, they know the right way. They didn't go to seminary to be taught the wrong way. Now, there are some seminaries, I believe, that teach the wrong way. And we've got to be careful, but that's not where we're at. Verse 15 says they have forsaken the right way which means they knew the right way, they were made aware of the right way, but they chose the wrong way. Forsaken the right way, they've gone astray, which means, if you go astray, means at some point, you at least knew where you were headed and you were on the right path. Quick theological timeout. I'm not saying these people were saved and lost it. It's not what I'm saying. That's not what the text is saying. These are people, these are individuals who knew the truth. They were made aware of the truth. They were maybe raised in a, in a true church that preached the true gospel. But at some point, they decided to forsake that way. That's what the text says. They chose the wrong path. I'm gonna just cut to the chase. It's gonna give away a little punchline. And one of the obvious reasons they chose it is because it was a more lucrative path. Not just financially, but they got more authority. They got more power. People looked at them more. There's a whole bunch of us Bible-believing Baptists that don't get any recognition on Twitter. Right? That just keep on doing what we're doing. Big churches, little churches, medium churches that preach the Word of God, that teach the Word of God, that sing the Word of God, that really believe the Word of God exactly how the Word of God was meant to be believed. That's us. That's who we are at Central Baptist Church. We used to be introduced as just a, an old-fashioned, how was it, old-fashioned Baptist church, just a bunch of country bumpkins. But now, years later, we got some Yankees, we got some Midwesterners, <laughs> we got some Southerners, we just got a mixed bag of a lot of stuff, a lot of people, which is good. We need a few more different types to just shake us up. I forgot to mention this, but next Sunday night, this is a good reminder, we're going to have a community, a church, a multi-church. I was strategic in how I labeled this, a multi-church community prayer meeting. It sounds like something out of the 70s because in 2022, you don't get a lot of churches in the same building. We may have revival. It's kind of funny, but kind of not. Because we have at least seven churches already committed to be in this building. So I mean, which ones? I don't know which ones. I'm not telling you. But if they come, we're going to have a time of prayer. Pastor Barry Lemon knows 
It's not a choir concert. We're not having a music concert. We're going to sing some congregationals. We're going to worship together in song, and then we're going to pray. And if the pastors come that say they're coming and they bring their churches and their church members, by the way, we'll have people that are members of a church or just believers that come. It's open. Share this on social media. We're inviting people, and there's more churches that are probably coming than the seven I've already committed or said. It's a big deal to get churches together today. It's a big deal for unity. It's a big deal in the church to have unity. So when we come together and we serve the same Lord and we're praying to the same God, things can happen. Good things can happen. And so that's next Sunday. That was kind of impromptu. But this is what God expects in the church is unity in the church. And we're not all the same. I feel like I'm either preaching to the choir and you're like, we know this, keep going, or it's convicting, I don't know. False teachers have chosen the wrong path. They knew, but they chose otherwise. We understand there is only one right way. And these leaders have forsaken it. Church, I I know this sounds like we're just kind of persecuting certain personalities. I said this three weeks ago. God knows my heart. This is not the plan. This is not my intention. My intention is to prepare the church to recognize false teachers. Parents, we need to know true and false teaching. Our kids need to be taught that man is a false teacher. Don't follow him. Because there is a strategy by the enemy to get us to the point to where someone one day who grew up in a Baptist church that preached the gospel will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And may it not happen on our watch as a church. And may it not happen to our kids as a church. And may it not happen to our kids and grandkids as Christian moms and dads and grandparents where someone steals your child because of a strategy of the enemy. And that's the only way I can understand why it would happen. The right way in this text is the will of God. They have forsaken the right way. Jesus was very clear, and that's all through the Gospels, especially when Jesus speaks, that there's a lot of two-way opportunities. It's the broad way, there's the narrow way. It's the straight way, narrow, and the kind of a crooked way. Uh, there's many who find the broad way. It's easy. It's easy. 20 years ago, there was a little phrase that was called easy believism. Anybody remember that? Easy believism. Let's just make it easy. Well, it is a childlike faith to be saved. You got to come as a child. That doesn't mean as a complete moron idiot. That means the faith of a child, childlike faith. But it's not easy. It's not pray this prayer and get into heaven. Oh my goodness, how fearful, seriously fearful I am of people who pray to prayer thinking that got them into heaven or signed a membership form in a church thinking that got them to heaven or got dunked a time or two or sprinkled a time or two or poured on a time or two thinking I'm on my way to heaven because there was a false teacher who convinced them this is what you do to get into heaven. We know people like that. There are people in our families. There's people we work with like that. They're not just complete morons. Someone finagled them into believing this. And it's not just an opinion, it's God's word saying this is what's happened. There's only one way to heaven. Peter uses an illustration of Balaam. Any of you who've been in church a long time, it's a fun story. It's a true story. It's a weird story. Got to read a lot to figure out all that happened, and that's another sermon or two, and just Balaam and his donkey. But in Numbers chapter 22 through 25, Peter refers back to Balaam where we can find it there. And Balaam and Balaam's narrative is a perfect example of a false teacher. That's why he uses it. If you know anything about Balaam, Balaam was, um, 
I've got it nice and written down. So it looked, he was a pagan divination expert. That's what it said on his business card. But he, he practiced witchcraft, sorcery. Ooh. Some of that stuff y'all are going to see tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'm going to be a good witch. <laughs> so Balak was the king of the Moabites. So Balaam was good at what he did, just kind of like foretelling or casting spells. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. And um, something similar. He was a divination expert. And, and Balak asked for Balaam's services to put a curse on Israel. God interrupted this plan. And he rather told Balaam to bless the nation of Israel. And it goes back and forth. If you read, it's like, well, this story ever ends. It's to be concluded, and it keeps on going, keeps on going. Come on, do something, Balaam. And what he did was he used Balaam's donkey, and it's, a, it's kind of comical, quite honestly. He's like, slams his leg in the wall, and he's like, come on, you stupid. And that's never, it's you stupid donkey. And um, eventually, Balaam kind of changes his mind. But then he's offered a lot more money and power and authority by the king. So verse 15 says, who Balaam loved the wages of unrighteousness. Balaam knew the truth. God spoke to Balaam. This is crazy. God said, Balaam, hey, listen to me. I want you to speak for me. So he had communication pathways with Balaam. Balaam and God, but yet the money piled up. And, and Balak, you read this in Numbers 22, Balak just kept raising the offer until Balaam's like, man, that's just a deal I can't refuse. But Balaam knew the truth. He knew the true God. He knew what God really wanted him to say, but the money was just too tempting. Peter says, this is these false teachers. They know the truth. They have access to the truth. So why do they do it? They like their jets. They like their suits. They like having power. They like having authority. I'm up here preaching this stuff like, man, I hope people appreciate it. I hope nobody thinks I'm being mean to people. Um, my goal is really to, to make sure we're discipled, a discipled church a discipled believer, to be able to spot counterfeits, to when we hear something say, that don't sound right. When we hear, I, I was in a conversation, so I, I quoted some people about three weeks ago, and I had a couple people say, who are those people? I had one person who texted me and had every person right, like they read my notes. <laughs> How'd you get my notes? They called them out, each one of them, and their quote. Impressive, you listened and you knew what I was talking about, so I'm not making it up. But I called out a quote about the Trinity from a guy named T.D. Jakes. Oh, I said it, oh, I called one out. Ah. There are people in this church that think T.D. Jakes, are, what, T.D. Jakes? Because we think T.D. Jakes is T.D. Jakes. I mean, he's got initials for his first name, which means something. Right? Anybody with initials, and that's what they go by, they're special. I've always thought that. I've always wanted it. Mine's MD. My dad used to say that. And I was like, well, that sounds like a doctor, but I'm not that smart. But anyway, T.D. Jakes, he makes a statement about the Trinity that's false. But, but if people don't know, they're like, amen, brother. Or if he writes a book or has his own study Bible or has a 10,000-member church, well, then he must be preaching the truth. I don't believe a, a, I don't believe a Bible-believing preacher can preach a true gospel who doesn't believe in the Trinity. Some of you are like, that's a little excessive. The Trinity's not that important. Nobody thought that, but just in case you thought that, we're laughing at you right now. No. I talk about this guy. I call him out, not by name, but someone else did, so now I can freely say that's who it was. Then I get a text this week after I'm preaching this. Did you see who was at T.D. Jake's church? I'm like, probably Stephen Furtick. They're buddies. Oh, just called another one out. They are buddies. 
I don't know how both of their egos can fit on the same stage, but they're both, but that wasn't, I was wrong, but they have been together. He doesn't like Stephen Furtick. I would love to talk to Stephen Furtick. Beto O'Rourke. T.D. Jakes invited Beto O'Rourke. Who is that? If you don't know, don't Google it. You don't need to know who this person is. They, um, they ran against Ted Cruz for senator of the great state of Texas. He's a man. We, he at least still has that going for him. He still identifies as a man. Uh, but his husband also identifies as a man. This is true. I'm not making this up. He ran for Senate against Ted Cruz and um, got too many votes a couple years ago and decided, well, I lost for Senate. I'll run for president because that's the next natural thing to do. So he ran for Democratic candidate for president. He lost because you can't win against that. But he lost and, and the winner... Um, or somebody that speaks for the winner said, hey, let's put him on his cabinet. So now we have, he, Beto O'Rourke is a, a gay, married to a man, cabinet member who's over transportation, which is why our roads are so nice and there's no air traffic problems in America. But anyway, why did he have Beto O'Rourke on? Because he also believes... He also believes, and has said it publicly, just research it, um, he doesn't have any problem with people being gay or men marrying men or women marrying men and being Christian. He doesn't have any problem with that, so he certainly doesn't have any problem having Beto O'Rourke on there and his husband. That's in a church with a man leading thousands of people and you say, how can you get to the place where people will stand before Jesus one day and hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity? That's how. That sounds blunt. It sounds mean. I don't know T.D. Jakes. I'd probably recognize him like many of you if he walked in. But that is dangerous to this country. And hundreds and thousands potentially of people are believing this man who's propagating a false gospel. See, you see how tense it got when I called names and when I talked about that one issue Y'all feel the tension? That's a proof, that's an apologetic for where we're at in this country. You start talking about that. Whoa, you'd have crossed the line on that one, brother. I've got opinions, you do too. But I've got a Bible too. And I don't think you can be born again and be backslid the rest of your life. I don't think that's how it happens. Can you backslide? Absolutely. How long? I'm not going to answer that right now. But if there's no change in your life since you made a decision, you're not backslidden, you're lost. And that's not mean, that's truth, and you need to be saved. You need to make him Lord of your life. You need to allow him to change your life because you're right. It's difficult. That sin, that whole genre is difficult to get in and, or a lot easier to get in, but difficult to get out. And you can't do it yourself. Just like you and I can't get out of an addiction to a sin in our own self, we have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. That's the reality. So he compares him to Balaam. And his dumb donkey, who was smart enough to get the prophet. Jesus said, enter the straight gate. There's one way. These false teachers have chosen the wrong path. They know it, but they've forsaken it. Church, every Sunday, every Sunday in this church and hopefully in every good Baptist evangelical church, the right path the one way to heaven is announced, is made clear. And every Sunday, people make a decision to forsake the wrong path. I didn't say everybody makes the decision, but there's people here today, there'll be people next week, there'll be people in thousands of churches in America that will hear from the word of God that there is one way to heaven, the right way to heaven, the only way to heaven, the narrow way to heaven, and they'll walk out forsaking the truth and choosing another way. Because nobody wants to go to hell. 
Nobody doesn't want to go to heaven if there really is one. But they're walking out choosing a different way to the heaven they want to go to. That's the problem. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Ask any kid in any Sunday school class. Tell them what heaven's like. Tell them what hell's like. Say, who wants to sign up and go to hell? None of them will, except probably one that's a little, you know, from Halloween candy. He's all crazy. <laughs> but most of them, if not all, will say, I want to go to heaven. Everybody that's an adult in here today, if you had a choice, if there really is a hell, if there really is a heaven, and you've got a choice, nobody's going to say, I want to go to hell. Everybody's going to say, I want to go to heaven. So everybody, every Sunday, walks out making a decision how they're getting to the heaven they want to go to. And there, here's a good marketing term, uh, or here's a good advertising. There's a market for people that want to go to heaven. And if you can make up many different ways to get there, you can sell it. Because people want to go to heaven. False teachers choose the wrong path. False teachers offer worthless promises. This is pretty simple preaching. It's pretty simple text. They're wells without water. They're a well. They look like a well. If I walk there, I can get water. But I get there, and it's an empty well. I, I, I read a quote in some study, and, and I love this. I don't know where it came from. But it's so applicable to today. And one of you probably coined this phrase back in the 40s. Empty barrels make the most noise. Have you ever heard that? I like it. I just made it up. I, co I coined it. If you hear it, you say it again, say Dean said it. He made it up. <laughs> Empty barrels make the most noise. Is that not so true today? Just in life in general, but especially among false teachers? Who's getting all the publicity? That 60-year-old preacher that's been preaching since he was 18 years old to 50 people for 50 years and just rarely hears someone make a decision or baptize somebody that's been preaching the true gospel, living the true gospel all those years. Is that the one that gets the attention? And there's thousands of those in America that deserve just as much attention as a true evangelical Baptist church with 10,000 in, member, in membership. No, it's the one preaching the auditoriums of 60,000, selling a false gospel, selling a fake way to heaven, Empty barrels make the most noise. Now would be a good time to divert into the political world, but I won't. But I will say this, empty barrels make the most noise. It's a lot of promises, and they're empty promises. This is called flushing this out so it doesn't come out. That's what this is right now, so just relax. False teachers offer worthless, they're empty wells. They're wells, they got no water. Reminds me of John chapter four. Woman was looking for some water. She came to a well. She thought she was coming to a man's well. There may or may not have had water in it, I think it probably did, but she runs into Jesus and Jesus says this, you drink this water, Never thirst again. There's a lot of people looking for man's will. And you'll thirst. And you'll thirst. There's a lot of people that come to man's will and it's empty. There's a lot of people coming to the church well, some church well, and the well's empty. And Jesus said, I'm the only way. You drink this water of this living water, you'll never, ever need a well again. Hey, church, when we find the truth, and we drink of the truth, we never want to find new water. You got the water. You don't need new water. If you ever get real living water, everybody with me? You'll not go looking for another brand of water. There's a lot of people still searching, but say they got it. There's a lot of people still looking for a better water. I, di I didn't go on Aquafina and Deer Park. Is everybody still with me? There's people that, that say they got it, 
but they're still looking for better water. Which tells me they didn't get the real thing in the first place. Clouds, that's the next text. Clouds that just kind of move around quickly. If you've ever been to Israel, there's a picture here. If you've been to Jerusalem, that area, uh, been on the uh, Sea of Galilee when it got crazy quick and we thought it was going to get nuts. And it didn't, but it was still scary because the, the clouds just move around fast. And there's a mountain area and it's all this uh, meteorology and science stuff that works out that just affirms what happened in Scripture where they're just cruising along all of a sudden, boom, six foot, eight foot water and there's waves on a lake. And it can happen. But the picture is the picture of the clouds. And it says here that these clouds that are carried with a tempest, clouds that are carried with wind. And it's the similar um, picture of the well without water. Clouds don't water your vegetables. If you're a farmer, you're looking for, uh, I ran into a a redneck in Rowan County this week. I know him well. Um, And I I love him to death because he's number one, he's a redneck. And he's... um, an ingenuitive redneck, like most of us who, you know, we'll find a way to make it work. And then they had some farmland, and it hadn't rained in like 40 days and, um, in the area where the land is. So they created a way with two big water barrels, and they were out there, and, and they showed me videos later. I was like, hey, that's, that's how the strong survive, just like that. But if you're a farmer and you really need the rain, you see the clouds, you get excited, but you understand this, there's, no, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. Peter says these guys are like clouds, but they provide no water. They'll provide water, but they're they're blowing away. They're blown away. If you don't hear anything else about the clouds and this whole comparison to the false teaching, when the clouds are coming and they're moving, there's noise, there's motion, and there's something to see but they profit nothing, and they profit nobody. Did y'all hear what I said? There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of movement. There's an experience, potentially, but it profited nobody. We got to be real careful about the experiences in the church. The emotion, potentially, that leads to an emotional experience in the church. I'm not, I'm not anti-emotion. Now, somebody probably think I am, but I'm not anti-emotion. I think there's a time and place for it. But we can't mistake emotion or an experience for a true encounter with God. There's a lot of people, I hope we're on the same page, same team, and you love me when this is over, but my fear is that it'll be somebody that's heard me as a youth pastor, heard me as a Bible teacher, heard me as a pastor, heard you as a Sunday school teacher, a leader that would one day stand before God and hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. May that never be the case. And may we go overboard to make sure over my dead body someone will get to heaven and hear that because I didn't teach the truth or we didn't teach the truth. We didn't disciple in the truth. They speak swelling words of vanity. Listen to verse 18. They allure through the lust of the flesh. Where's, where's the hook? Allure. It's the, it's, the, it's the visual, it's the wording for set a hook, bait a hook. Get, that sounds like bait a roar. Bait a hook. <laughs> Give them something to come and to catch themselves on. What's the number one tool? What's the number one bait? Lust of the flesh. It's the same thing if you're following the text that got these guys into it in the first place, that got these women, equal opportunity, title nine, got these women into it in the first place. Lust of the flesh. Same thing that hooked them to sell this and propagate this false gospel is the same thing to get people to bite the false gospel. Lust of the flesh. I am... Good looking. People like me. Blessings are coming my way. Why? Because you're good. That same cat that I keep mocking said in an interview, I think it was 97% or 98%, he said 97% of the people that I come in contact with are naturally good people. 
He ain't coming in contact with the same people I'm coming in contact with. There's none righteous. No, not one. This wasn't in reference to just I had a good personality. It was in reference to spiritual matters. It's not true. We're born rebels. We're born separated from God. We're born at enmity with God. We're born in condemnation. We're born against God. That sounds bad. It is. That's how we're born. Born with a sin nature. From our grandparents, Adam and Eve. It's the truth of the gospel. It's why we need to be saved. Not because you were bad yesterday, because you were bad when you were born. They allure people with their swelling words of vanity. Verse 18, the last part, King James makes it a little maybe confusing for what it, what it really means. Those that were clean escape from them who live in error. It's, it's really talking about those who are new in the, new in the faith. New disciples. That's who they capitalize on. I talked about that last week briefly. What, what does that have to do with the church? We must, we must study to show ourselves approved unto God, Paul said to Timothy. We must, we must grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians, that's our plan. We gotta know why we believe what we believe and be ready to defend it. Be ready to give an answer, Peter said, for the faith that you have. We must disciple those that we evangelize. May we never, this is, a, this is a historical cycle that we've seen in the American church. And you can go back and look at this. It's historically documented where tent meetings, revivals, evangelism explosions happened and people were saved, people had experiences, but there was no discipleship. And then you go through the church history and then there's a ton of discipleship and no salvations. Isn't it Interesting that Jesus said we're supposed to do both. That's the Great Commission. That's our, that's our job, to reach and teach, to know and grow. It's important because that last verse is fun and because some of you take notes, half false teachers are addicted to their will. They just keep coming back to the same old flesh. And he gives this nice Chinese proverb, right? Peter gives it, no, it says a true proverb. I just think it's probably a Chinese proverb. Y'all see it there? We're, we're almost done. What's the? Sow? What is a sow? I think I had to explain that to my son last week. Then somehow that happened. It's a pig. But it happened to them, false teachers, just like the proverb. This is, this is fun. Some of you are just too dignified for this. The dog returned to his vomit. And the sow... To the mud she was wallering in. Uh, if you know Warren Wearsby, he has a way of, I don't know him personally, but if you know of Warren Wearsby, he has a way of making things funny, but um, at times. And this is the idea, and, and it's a really good application. The, the dog felt better on the inside. <laughs> the pig looked better on the outside. But they both went back to what made them dirty on the inside and outside. And Peter says, this is what a false teacher does. I will go further and say, this is what a false believer does. Yep, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Some of you are already making your spiritual applications in life for 2023. Did you ever think we would get there? Who, who rode their spaceship here today? Um, 2023, that just doesn't sound plausible. In 2023, listen, there'll be people do this. They'll clean up, turn over a new leaf, and be in church. Be in church. You know what they're going to do? They're going to clean up on the outside. They're going to come to church. Everybody's going, well, it's so good to see you. Did you get saved? No, I got saved 40 years ago. That's preacher humor. No. And um, they got cleaned up on the outside. Listen, it's not about the outside. We know that. You're going to feel better on the inside. You're going to purge. That's a nice way to say it. There's a lot of, lot of self-helps that'll help you purge the inside. Make you feel better about yourself. See, there's a difference in changing the outside or feeling better about yourself. You can put on a new suit and still feel like garbage. They make them in all sizes. All right, I'm just saying. No, you can put it on just because you know you're dirty. Or you can, you can listen to somebody read a book that makes you feel good about yourself. 
but you've not been changed. And these false teachers had never been changed. They knew the truth, but they chose a different way. To be honest, I can't preach to many false teachers. They need to get right with God. But I can talk to people that are false believers, false professors. Are you on the right path? Have you known the right path, but yet chose to go a different way? There's only one way to God's heaven. Would you stand with me? As a pastor, it's kind of easy in my world to identify false preachers, false teachers, but it's hard, harder and more burdened to identify false believers. I'm not pointing out people. That's not my job. My job is to point out the gospel, to point out the truth, and let the Holy Spirit convict people. So first and foremost priority, if there's someone here today and you've never made him Lord of your life, you've never by faith trusted in the only way to heaven, it's as simple as I know how to put it, there's only one way. No other way. Do you know? Do you just know about the path or have you chosen to be on that path? The Holy Spirit convicts your heart today, make him Lord of your life. Jesus, I know you're the only way. You took my place, paid for my sins. I trust you as my savior. Those are people who make him Lord of their life. Those are people who won't hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Unfortunately, and it sounds mean, it sounds harsh, but Americans do church well. We can have church all year without God even being invited. We got this thing down to an art. You can't have salvation without him being invited. And may we never be a church that excludes God from what we do. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to know more about Central Baptist Church events and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.